0: and say, would you design a room that would make it really, really difficult for music to sound good? You'd say, well, first of all, start with four walls facing each other, like a big box, and then lower the ceiling, and then make the walls out of like a shiny, weird metal material, and that would pretty much do it. So, whenever, yeah, makes a great fridge, which is what, originally this was actually a printer room, so they ran all these printers in here, which is why it's insulated. so I'm just always conscious knowing a little bit about me. What an amazing job. Because of that, that our sound guys do every week. And Tom again this morning. So whenever it sounds good and you... Obviously, you know, bless, bless these guys. Bless these guys. But go to the back of the room as well and bless those guys. So, so thanks. Uh, thanks, Tom, um, up there. And of course, Bretto on, on words as well. Because otherwise we'd just be left being purely Pentecostal and just making it up as we go along. That would be a nightmare. Um, Good morning, folks. Uh, what a, it's been such a great morning. We, my name's Graham, the senior pastor. If you're new or visiting, we're so wrapped you can be here. I hope you can hang around afterwards. Um, we uh, we have this time where we pray before the service. And I mentioned, I think, a couple of times. I've I've really found it um, so significant. It's like God, you know, God knows. And he, he every time we've done it, he sort of down downloads something to me in that prayer time, which is like a bit of a. I think it's just for me, but. Um, I think it was for us. And this morning, AJ was praying, and he just prayed a really simple prayer, Lord, connect the dots this morning. And I feel like, and straight away when he prayed that, you know when someone says something, you go, oh, that seems significant, I'm not exactly sure, but it, like I've, that seems significant, it was like one of those moments. Um, and it really helps. I think there is um, some some dot connecting this morning uh, to be done, and, and even already in things that, that Rachel shared and, and Andrew as he's led. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do that. It's. I want to launch off this morning. We have been doing a series for it's it's kind of like really the whole year has been themed around um, looking into scripture and for how God's people respond. What is God's expectation? Expectation of God's people when we are in places and spaces in our life where the the influences the rulers are absolutely not ruling aligned with God's word. And we see that time and time again in Scripture when God's people are living in exile. And so that's been the, the theme we've been looking at, living in exile. And we've gone back historically and looked at um, people like Daniel and Esther who were exiles, God's people but living in Babylon. We just finished the book on Jonah where he again was at that time speaking to this this great superpower, the Assyrian um, uh, the Assyrian nation, which eventually took off the northern kingdom into exile. And we're going to go in a few weeks, we're going to take a little pause for a few weeks, and then we're going to go forward into Peter. So we're actually doing it roughly chronologically. And First Peter, um, one of the disciples of Jesus, wrote the book, um, which, you know, it's obviously a bit of an egomaniac because he called the book after himself. Um, and I'm kidding, he didn't call that, but he wrote a letter Basically, to Christians who were living in the Roman Empire, and the very first sentence he says to these Christians that he addresses it to you as exiles, um, and the expectation we understand there is that actually that's what it's like to be a part of God's kind of kingdom, to be following Jesus, is also the same thing. Is to there, as you step up to that and say, "Yep, yeah, I'm following Jesus," you're going to feel like you're living somewhat in exile in in a in a world that's being influenced and governed by people who are not answering the question, what would Jesus do? So we're we're going to take a pause on that for a couple of weeks and come back to that in a a while. But uh, this morning, I feel like we're still going to get sort of some of these things, these dot uh, points coming through. I want to actually launch off from um, when I get my clicker. Where did I put? Okay, who stole it? There it is there. Thank you. No one stole it. I just put it right there. Um, we are in a season here at Cornerstone that you could make a case for without being dramatic about it, but you could make a case. It's probably the, the most one of the most, if not the most significant seasons, of change for our church. Just purely and simply because um, our church was planted and had the same, the founding pastor was the senior pastor, Charles Newington, was there for 28 years and he finished up um, and resigned uh, a couple of years ago and so it's the first time as cornerstone we've ever had someone other than the person who founded the church now that usually in the life of churches and those of you involved in businesses or enterprises it's true there the changeover from the person who starts a thing to the next person is usually the the most significant thing that's ever happened thus far um, and it's always if you're involved in those things and I'm um, I'm sure you have, whether it's even sporting teams or when there's a change of leadership, everyone sort of holds their breath and kind of goes, hmm, well, this will be interesting. I wonder what changes and what doesn't. Um, and because you actually don't want to, in a leadership sense, you don't want to waste the, the time to change. God's always wanting to grow us. Growth always equals change. If you don't like um, If you don't like change, then expect not to grow. If you like growth, then expect to the change. That's just... That's just life, the law of everything is like that. Um, so we're in that season at the moment, and one of the things that we're doing, and I, as part of my responsibility, is to find, because I very much feel like as a church, I'm convinced and came on board in this role, say, so yes, it is a new season for us, but actually it's the same trajectory for us as a church. Uh, so there are new ways of doing things, new expression, I think God's going to, in our midst and is new, things and people and stuff that's raising up and other things that have had their season that will will fall away but one of the things that i find always really important is um is expressing that in language and finding ways to talk about who we have been and who we are in this season and sometimes some of the significant change is about language um is just finding new ways and fresh ways to say the same thing so in a couple of weeks I'm going to be doing um, the first of what will be a regular series probably I don't know every every couple of months maybe every quarter um, running a, a, a session that I inv- and I invite anyone to come to this it's largely aimed at people who are new to the church and there's a lot of you here who've joined us in recent times that's part of the um, which trying to take seriously how do we help people who want to Come to Cornerstone, find out about who we are so that we can journey, journey deeply together. Because one of the things we do believe is that to be the church, it's not a Sunday thing. You know, we are the people of God on mission together. There's a role, a God-given role for us to do. And the church is actually a community on mission uh, rather than a bunch of people who come together on a Sunday. That's a part of it. So I'm going to be um, unpacking a whole lot of things around our history, who we are Um, And it's been a great exercise to try and find language to communicate the depth of who we believe we are at Cornerstone, who we've always been, but maybe find new ways to express that moving forward. So in a couple of weeks, everyone's invited to come along to this, um, but it will be something we'll continue to run regularly. But as I've been reflecting on some of these things, uh, on some of these thoughts... um, one of the things that's always been a part of Cornerstone that I think is um, is, is distinct. It's not unique to churches. Uh, there's other churches like this, lots of other churches, but is distinct. It's really, really important in terms of our DNA. Is that um, we we really, really value the Word of God. Um, and we value understanding the Word of God. I actually wrote, I, I'm sure you've all read your committed to memory, the morning's notices here. But I actually did a little bit of a blurb here um, to write about this. Again, it's some, some language around who we are as Cornerstone. Cornerstone is a community of faith on a mission to love and serve our homes, our community, our world. That's kind of of the home community world. We recognise there's layers to this thing called life. We're giving this our best shot by taking seriously things like God's word, his spirit, and the example of Jesus, while at the same time trying not to take ourselves too seriously. We hope you have a great morning. Da-da-da. Cornerstone has always been a place where we take seriously the word of God and understanding the word of God. And again, as is the way often groups of people take on identity and expression of founding that Charles had an amazing has an amazing gift as a as a preacher, a teacher, a theologian. Um, and and not surprisingly his son has picked up a lot of that that has, is of the same spirit and has this rare mind and I Have always actually been a part of church in my mature Christian life, where there is someone who has the primary role, who is uniquely gifted to take us to deep into Scripture, deep into Scripture. Now, because we choose to do that, sometimes it gets a bit confusing. You'll see me regularly on the front, um, on the front, um, what's that called? Seat on the front row, and you, I've got you know my phone out taking notes. If I can just have a moment of honesty, at times when Josh is preaching, I may or may not be doing a Google search on some words as well to kind of understand words. We are on a, unapologetic and always be unapologetic about treating you like grown-ups and actually saying, we are going to dive deep into the Word of God because we think there's gold in there. And, and uh, the heart of leadership... And, and eldership in the church is to always want to give you the best of God. And so something we've always done is to dive deep into the Word of God and that brings up this idea of theology. You know, um, theology is a word that sometimes, and, and again, in, in churches you may be a part of, um, there sometimes can be an approach to to theology and the, the, I reckon the best definition for theology is about um, it's our understanding of the nature of God and his interaction with the world. I reckon that's a pretty good understanding of what theology is. It's important to know when we're talking about theology that the starting is it's our understanding. Theology starts from us, okay? And, and it's good, it's right. God doesn't, as, as spiritual as I know all of you are and when you hear from the Lord and read the God actually doesn't and hasn't chose to just directly download stuff uninterrupted from heaven, It comes through who you are and your understanding. And that actually speaks gloriously of his desire to be connected with humanity. He doesn't just... We're not... None of us are just human dictators. It comes through us. And so we've got to recognise that and recognise our theology is us grappling with wanting to understand God. Um, we think that's important. We think that's important because actually one of the... Um, another metaphor that I think is always really helpful for the idea of theology is that it's a window. It's a window in which we are responsible for, or we we kind of make, on which we can see God. And so you can see here the idea of a clean window. A a, a small window, you see a small bit of God. There's lots of gods. Um, A a messy window, a dirty window, you get a distorted view of God. Um, An uncared-for window, A broken window, it affects what you see. Equally, on a window, you can put lenses on windows, can't you? You can put a tint on it and you'll see something different. We recognise that our theology and our understanding of God will influence what we see. What we really believe is important and we value and we, we shape ourselves around this here at Cornerstone is that actually if we can... Um, if we can be as serious as we can about Scripture and understanding that, so that's our theology, for want of a better term, then actually we'll see more of God, and at its best, it's an invitation to then experience God. When you put it in its right place, that window becomes a door. It's an invitation to encounter God. That's really what we're after. So, for instance, your theology, your understanding... Of who God is and how He deals with the world, how He deals with the world in the area of, say, forgiveness and grace, absolutely influences your expectation of who you will encounter with God and the invitation. If you've got a really um, great, broad theology that embraces God's incredible graciousness, then that's an invitation to experience that. <laughs> and so, theology is is really important. And that's why, like I said, unashamedly, um, we, we take deep dives in. And so some of this exile stuff that we're doing has got some theology in it. And then we're, we're not always going to sort of say, okay, we're going to do some theology now and point to that. It's often our theology and understanding is loaded in what we're saying. Um, but it also can get, can I, can I say this this morning? Well, I'm amongst friends here, right? I can be honest here this morning. It means that actually sometimes when you take a deep dive, it gets complicated. It's it's difficult. Um, actually, And if you've been around other churches and other movements or places, then actually theology is kind of contested. You know, people, believers, who we broadly think the same thing, will have different views of things. It gets complicated. And that's even before you go on Facebook. <laughs> then we start discussing it. Oh, my goodness me. Um, and... And I want to name that this morning because actually, I'm not here, I'm not going to talk about theology this morning. I want to, there's our starting point to say unashamedly, as a church, we're going to continue to go dive deep into Scripture and go looking for God because He's there, the Word's living, because it's an invitation to an experience of that. And the deeper and the bigger our window, the more of God we're invited to experience. And I abs- guarantee you, the better your life will be. The better your life will be. So that means we're going to, you know, we've, we've at times things might get a bit complicated. I know it does for me. And then also, unashamedly, one of the other things that we do as a church is we're saying we actually, we're not creating a holy huddle here. We're not coming away and doing our theology and sort of, you know, we all agree with God. Do we all agree the same thing? Great, okay. That's just for us and live in here and then go and live outside in the world, a completely different life and then come back and kind of reassure ourselves and we're all, okay, we still believe these things. Yep, yep. Okay, I've got... You know, um, we all agree, right? Off we go. We actually are looking to engage in the world. We actually believe that the more we've understood about God and His theology on the world and on mission, actually, where to live in the world, where to not be of it, but where to live in it. Now, can I name another thing here? Can I just be honest, because i mum was fine. that gets really complicated too. Anyway, do I have any friends this morning? I find that really challenging. The more and the deeper dive I go into how things like God's um, Uh, like there's lots of stuff about God's judgment and about the fact that he's got really clear and strong views about how life should be lived and what's good for people or not. Um, But he also has these really strong views about how incredibly loving I should be of my neighbour and of people who are completely different. Matching those things, and this has been in this series on exile, living between faithfulness to who God is and who he's called us to be and also his mission in the world, I find that really, really challenging and complicated. And then I start to talk to other Christians again. And I really avoid Facebook on this one. Because there's just... It it gets really contested. What I want to talk to you this morning about is actually a reset button. It's actually none of that stuff. It's saying, actually, if you're going to be here at Cornerstone, we're going to continue to bring you along. We're going to keep doing deep dives into Scripture. We're going to keep doing deep dives into culture. And we're going to find God and do our... Like I said there, that was very genuine language. We're just going to have a crack. We're just going to have a crack because we believe it's the way life is. But that will mean... Here, for me, what has been really important, and I'll share a little bit of this this morning a bit later. It means every now and then I really need a reset button. You know, when... um, when your computer, you're working on your computer and you're multitasking and you've got lots of things open and all of a sudden the computer just gets slower and slower and slower and it's just, there's too much going on. What do you do? You play solitaire. Or, not, or no, you, you close it down and you reset and you start again. And I find because life and faith will require us to dive deep and be unashamed about that, That reset button is so important. And I believe, for me, I want to share this morning, what I think is a a, a theological and kind of, for my mind, my heart, my spirit, a reset button. Some of you would have seen this phrase before. Jesus is perfect theology. It was actually popularised recently by a a pastor that some of you might be familiar with, a a leader, a guy called Bill Johnson, um, of a church in in the States, but it's actually a concept. It's not his original thought. It's actually something that's quite an ancient thought in the church. Um, and that is that actually Jesus, um, Jesus is there and his life cuts through, cuts through all the confusion. And again, don't for a second hear me today say that actually... Faith and life is simple. Forget all this theology stuff. Forget all this thinking stuff. That's not important. Just You just need Jesus. You just need Jesus. That sounds so spiritual, but it's so rubbish. It's so rubbish. Because actually, what you're actually saying... It's not rubbish. Sorry, that was harsh, wasn't it? Come back. Grace. How would Jesus say that? What you're actually saying is, you just need Jesus as I understand it. And actually, in brackets there, my theology of Jesus. It's just in code. It's hidden. Okay? So we're not saying you don't do the thing, but actually there is this wonderful place to come back to and reset because Jesus cuts through. I grew up, um, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a church uh, just in the northwest, northwest suburbs all my life, apart from when we went to Victoria for about 10 years. Um, and it was a good church, ran a Rana Hills United Church. And um, I look back on it now, and I, I, I recognised what was happening in that experience. And so many of the best bits about that church community are what I love about Cornerstone. I recognise and feel like when, when when we're in the groove at Cornerstone, I have the same kind of feelings that I recognised growing up. But I hated church. I didn't hate, that's too strong. I, I really didn't, uh, spiritually, it did not ignite me at all. I recognise now as I look back that I was actually a part of a very, very healthy, very... Um, Uh, very biblical community but in terms of my discipleship journey and kind of wanting to engage deeply I I just I actually had this thought I actually had this plan I'm sure no one else has ever done this ever before where it's like um, like I I couldn't ever deny the God thing and in fact the the other dynamic there and many of you know my story my mum when I was about uh, 12 she was diagnosed with breast cancer soon after that she was terminal she was given sort of and not very long to live and then she lived for another 10 years it came it came back and she would uh, give her another so you got this long and she'd beat that and so I had in my house it was quite I I call it an inconvenient truth that I had this example because she was an amazing woman of faith that had just beat the odds and so right here in my house I had this dynamic going on that I I couldn't ignore there's something to as well as this really healthy community even even then the language and understanding wouldn't allow me to Speak it, but I lived it. So I had this plan. What I'll do, because I'm completely uninterested in any of this stuff, and in fact, there was a whole lot of other things that were igniting me, uh, not spiritually. Um, And so it was very inconvenient. Truth. So I tried to sort of push it away and say, I'll probably come back to that later when I'm older, when I need it. But I'll kind of go this way. Um, So that was kind of my plan, particularly in my later teens. I went away to a um, to a you know a, a conference, a lot of young people and. There was a speaker called Tony Campolo. Now, some of you will be familiar with Tony Campolo. Tony Campolo has been an amazing gift to the body of Christ for doing exactly just telling stories about Jesus that cut through, just presenting Jesus in a way that cut through all of the, all of my sort of, oh, do I really want to be on about this? Uh, it, it, that doesn't really, in what I've seen of Christianity, I, I don't really want to buy into that. Really, It doesn't look very. He presented this Jesus that just cut through. And I went, oh, I could give my life to that if that's what I'm following, and just presented Jesus. And and literally, it just, like I said, it just cut through. And because of that experience, I've learned again that that idea of just coming back to, to Jesus, and since that point, really, I still didn't want to buy in. I still question whether, of how much I want to buy into some of the stuff that comes around that, but I cannot deny, I just want to I just find Jesus so compelling. Um, and more so now that I've walked the road a bit, in every area of my life where I've managed to understand to some degree, and I'm not saying my theology is perfect, but the more my picture of God through Jesus has been clearer and bigger, I can't deny it's just been better in my life. It, it works. It's real. It's, so every now and then, probably more now than then, I come back and have to reboot that Jesus is perfect theology, if I can just, in difficult situations of life and go, okay, what, what do I know of Jesus in this? How would, I, how would I live like Jesus in this moment? How would I outwork and be like Jesus? It, it just cuts through all of those things. And again, when, when the challenges of being um, someone of faith in a workplace where there's so many ideas so many ideas and theologies that are contested within the church and outside the church. When all that gets too much, again, it's just like a refresh on my, my mind, my heart, my spirit. So actually, I'm just trying to be a bit more like Jesus each day. That sounds so, uh, maybe a bit too simplistic. But like I said, it's the simplicity on the other side of complexity. Not saying I don't want to engage in that. So uh, Jesus himself said this in in his own words in what i think is i I struggle to find a a more um, confronting or bold declaration not just in scripture in all of history i struggle to find a more bold claim than what jesus says in john 14 jesus said i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me if you really know me you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. He's talking to his disciples. He's saying, if you want to know God, if you want to, get, if you want to understand God and how he interacts with the world, look at me. Jesus is perfect. That's essentially what this, this phrase of Jesus is perfect theology. Now, Another moment of honesty here this morning. I'm really, I'm really out there this morning as your senior pastor. We'll see how many people come back next week. When, go, gee, that senior pastor—he just kept being—he was honest, but boy, he's not very impressive. Doesn't seem to know much. There are there are plenty of parts. Where we go? There are plenty of parts about Jesus where he seems very, very content to leave us wondering about exactly what he's saying as well. So I'm not saying he joins the dots altogether. I'm just saying there's there's something so refreshing about his life and the way he lived. And I'm just going to give you three stories of the way in which the life of Jesus cuts through, what he does cuts through. And I mean, we could just be here all day giving examples in Scripture about how Jesus cuts through the complexity of these stories. In each one of the stories that I'm about to uh, talk about, we absolutely could and should take a deep dive into what's happening theologically because there's, there's things that are happening in uh in terms of thinking about God and what what is God saying here we could take a deep dive into what's happening culturally in Jesus day and in fact we should because the more we do that the more we understand how much Jesus is really cutting through here and more than that in each one of these stories we can then overlay that onto our culture our day and take a deep dive into that and go oh boy there's lots of complexities okay Jesus is saying and doing that there in his day and time but boy what does that mean for us in each one of these stories we we can and we should do a deep dive to see more but what i'm in each one of these stories there's like a mic drop moment where you can and i find this is so i'm so thankful for the like of life of jesus he's always inviting me into more but there's always this simplicity this mic drop moment where it's like okay i can just reset on that this is the and again, this is why Jesus, as a sort of a, um, the way he cuts through, it's like refreshing, he's hitting restart. Okay, I can, st- I can start from here. I can do this. So the first one, um, and again, we've got some Instagram photos that have been posted of people who were there, which is fortunate. Um, so it's an illustrated journey. But this is actually one I've. This is one I've. We've spoken about a number of times here because I find it really significant, and I have to say, this is important because my role as a. Um, I find this a really good reset in my role, this unique role I've got, of being a pastor, of being like a professional Christian. There's no such thing as a professional Christian, except, there kind of is, and that's why it's really confusing because there really shouldn't be such a thing. It shouldn't be you know to be in ministry, vocationally. In Scripture, is not really a big deal, but it seems to be a much... It's, it's a much bigger deal and a much bigger thing now. So trying to align those things is really challenging because actually, in Scripture, Jesus seems to go after the professional Christians a lot. Um, so there's some challenge around this, and I find this... When it comes to we there's a level of responsibility um, in the last 12 or 13 years of my life where I've had, in, in churches, a unique responsibility back to the elders in the church for what, how we do this mission and life thing. And that can be really challenging. Um, particularly this, if, if we take, so Jesus comes in to the temple. It's in the last week um, of his life, actually. He goes to the temple and he comes in and the temple, um, again, this is a bit of, we've been here before, but the temple back in the day was where people would come to worship. And there were kind of like zones of worship and place. And And if you were kind of on the inside, if you're a good Jewish person, you, you could kind of walk through the first zones and go like, like into the VIP area. There was a, the court for, um, particularly if you're a Jewish man, so here we go, deep that we could do a deep dive into all the cultural things going on about being a man and a female. Um, but if you're a Jewish male, you could go straight through and into into like what would symbolise more access to God. Jesus, however, noted on the outer courts where he was, where this happens. That there's all of these people, people who are saying they're God's people, who are trying to help, supposedly trying to help people worship God were actually just using it for their own self-aggrandizement. They were kind of putting requirements on it was called the Court of Gentiles, where people would come from all over the world who were seeking God. That was the space for people who might not have said, if we put it in our language, "I'm a churchgoer or I'm a Christian or whatever but they felt like they needed to, there's something going on, and I need to be drawn towards this place. That's what that place was for, but actually there was all these Christian or um, God people who were doing stuff to take advantage. And he made a whip and he got his righteous anger on, and he went through and he cleared that place. And again, it's really quite—it's a quite contested story theologically about what it meant. We could do a deep dive into the significance, importance of the sacredness of worship, um, and how much you know what should our worship look like and what was going on in the day. But there's this moment, mic drop moment where Jesus says, as he's clearing out the temple, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. For all nations. And that's an emphasis there. And so for me, there's this reset. When I'm thinking about my role, if if we're in a discussion um, where we're talking about how should we shape what we do on Sunday mornings or how should we shape what we do during the week as a church, and it, it feels like there's a challenge between should we stay true to religious practice or should we bend a little what we do to open it up and make it intelligible for people who seek it? Guess where I go? Because Jesus cuts through. He says, no, no, my house should be a house of prayer for all nations. Now, there's lots of complexity into those things, but when I've got to reboot, Jesus cuts through. Here's another example. Again, thanks to the Instagram story, apparently, this is Zacchaeus. Apparently, that tree wasn't that big after all. <laughs> and Zacchaeus was a lot taller. So we've been... And Jesus had some sort of weird, uh, <laughs> what is that thing? A crown? It's like a helmet, Ooh, and or a, a mohawk. He had a blonde mohawk. <laughs> so the things we learn. So this is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. We know you're probably familiar with this story. Zacchaeus is a is an outcast. He actually is a Jew. He should be. At the middle, you know, because of the role, we, if we took a deep dive into understanding the culture of the time, we understand who he was. And therefore, the reason that he, was, the, the reason he had to be up a tree meant that he was really shunned. And if we understand it, probably appropriately so, because he had taken advantage spiritually and um, he'd abused his position to take advantage of, a, of people. And so there was good reason where he was doing the wrong thing. Uh, And again, there's all sorts of challenges there about what should we do and is there such a thing as, um, like, greasy grace? You know, like, where does retribution come into, where's restoration or restitution? There's all, all sorts of things there that are challenging. There's this mic drop moment where Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house. Again, Jesus cuts through all the challenges that are there and are worth considering and all of the things culturally that are going on. And what does that mean for people in our society um, who have done things that we culturally are, find so or, or um, communally find so abhorrent that it's right that they deserve repercussions? But what does that mean for our attitude towards that group of people who are just shunned that everybody agrees they are like? They're the scapegoats. They're the lowest of the lows. Well, Jesus cuts through that and says, not just actually, you know what, Zacchaeus, you can come to my house. I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to, I'm going to you. That is a mic drop moment for me that Jesus says, actually, Jesus is going to bridge the gap that that is created between people because of their their own fault. And there's no question that Zacchaeus, there was. Zacchaeus was guilty of some really bad things and Jesus says, in those instances, I'm going to bridge that gap and I'm going to actually not just I'm going to risk huge reputational damage to be identified to say, actually, I'm going to come and, and eat with you, the biggest honour that you could do culturally, come and share at my table. That cuts through a lot of things for me, for my attitude towards who are those people in our society, the attitudes of the church? Jesus cuts through. Sets. And finally, this one. Oh boy, the challenge is here. The challenge is here. Here's a woman who has got a, a significant health issue going going on. She needs healing medically. She, physically, she's in a bad way. Um, but be, but the layers on that was the the because of the nature of her health issue, it was to do. Um, with constant bleeding and with, um, you know, she was, made, she was made ceremonially unclean. So the, the consequence of her health issue was that she also was shunned and in the day made unclean, spiritually unclean, which means that if you, literally, if you touched someone who was deemed spiritually unclean, you now were spiritually unclean yourself. It was that strong. This, so this, the woman who had been suffering for this, if, when we take a deep dive we understand that this woman is not just suffering physically, she would be suffering emotionally, socially, economically, like the layers and layers of of pain. And, And yet she comes, she's so desperate. She comes and she reaches out in this crowd and grabs just the, Scripture says the hem of the garment, just grabs a cloth. And I don't understand what happens another little bit of moment. I don't understand what happens next. I mean, there's lots of theology we can talk about, how the healing happens and what she did. And what. But there's a mic drop moment around healing. And what, why, does, why do some people get healed? and what, I mean, there's so much. Talk about contested. Talk about very real for me. But there's a mic drop moment where there Jesus turns and says this. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He doesn't explain it, but he makes it really clear. Something in that moment had nothing to do with the fact that she got the right words in the right order, it said the right prayer. It was just purely, there was something about her desperation and her belief that Jesus would be the source that Jesus turns and says, You're right. Now that cuts through. And so I've experienced uh, extreme disappointment with praying and believing. More than most. But those words still cut through. So if someone's sick and I know I'm going to pray and just believe that my faith has some kind of... I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But that cuts through. Because Jesus says he's the the way, the truth, and I've experienced it. There's been so many times where it's been true. So it cuts through. Do you see what I mean about Jesus cutting through, resetting? Things being complicated. Am I alone here? this way? Does anyone else find life a little challenging, complicated and kind of, is it just me? Is it just your senior pastor? Are you all going to be in a different church next week? <laughs> what I'm saying is we've got to, we are not, we're not afraid of that here at Cornerstone. We will actually discuss that. We will try and understand it better. We will trust that God's spirit will form us into maturity in, in understanding it more and also dealing with the stuff we don't understand. We're going to keep going there. But because of that, because we're up for that kind of challenge, because we feel drawn by the Spirit of God, I'll get the, the team to come up now too, it means we are going to need to reset every now and then. Because you can't, you can't stay in that place of confusion too long, can you? You, you, you can't stay in that place where you need to find a way that you can come back and stand on what you do know. And what I've found again and again and again, when I come back and just try and align myself with Jesus, when I, when I ask myself the question, so what does it look like in, in the middle of this situation right here, right now, the challenge with all the complexity, what does it look like for me to live like I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life? If I can answer that question as simply and as clearly as I can, it's like a hit reset. Okay, I can start again. I can start again and we go out and we live life and we you know we've got a fresh sense of confidence and so often so often God really meets me in that place and reassures me and then we go out and life starts to get complex again (laughs) guess what because I think at that point what we could do is go you know what I'm going to avoid going that way again because that was really complex so I'm going to live in this little I I could we can make these little Christian bubbles can't we where we just ignore what's going on and create almost like a greenhouse for our faith. where It's great inside, but it's actually not related to anything that's happening outside. We're not doing that, folks. It's not, it's not the Jesus of Scripture. It's not the early church. But it means we're going to have to spiritually and emotionally reset. So that's the invitation this morning. Who feels like a reset? Who feels like a reset? I'm going to ask you now as we finish. Uh, we're just going to sing a song. and And one of the things as we're going to sing this song, one of the things that I love about our church is that we're a Pentecostal church. And the Pentecostal church, one of the contributions of Pentecostal church to the body of Christ over ages, is summed up really well in this quote here. This is someone, again, a theologian, who's looked into Pentecostal churches historically and looking at what's distinction. This is not a competition. It's not denigrating any other streams of the faith, but it's saying Pentecostals broadly focus neither on right structure as so come some catholics might do nor on the right message like the ideas getting the purity of doctrine by the way those things are important saying they're not important but it's the emphasis instead the emphasis they uh, traditionally historically have emphasized that the christian life is a matter of the experience power and the presence of the holy spirit today Newbegin, who's another theologian argues that neither orthodoxy of doctrine, getting the right ideas about God, or impeccability of liturgy, getting the right prayers and the right ways of doing things, those things, neither of them can take the place of an encounter with God through His Spirit. That reset is kind of like saying, okay, I'm going to simplify things and just try and open up my heart. And he finishes, and I love this this statement, right affection is just as important as right belief and right practice. You stand on your feet. Where your heart's at towards Jesus is just as important as where your mind's at and where your body's at. So right now, just as we sing, we're just going to take a moment to open your heart back up to Jesus. Hit reset. Say, so I'm looking to you, Jesus. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And as we soften and open our heart, we become fertile ground for the Spirit to come. And that kind of might not change anything on the outside but it sure changes stuff on the inside. Let's just take a moment to do that now. Thanks, Aja. This was produced by Cornerstone Christian Resources. It is deemed copyright and may be used by For further information about Cornerstone Christian Resources, please visit the